from the Sunday school to the gathering. Please remember Gospel Mission this week, one week only, Coragari Free Presbyterian Church with Noel Shields and Colin Maxwell. And that continues this week through to Friday. Get along if you can, and if you're not able to get along, do remember those meetings in prayer. Uh, let us turn to the book of Judges, chapter 5. We're coming to look at the life of Deborah today, and we're going to read all of Judges chapter 5. This is one of the songs of Scripture. Deborah was a poet the Lord used and inspired that gift of poetry. And like any poem, it doesn't really make sense unless you read all of it. So let us read the song of Deborah and Barak today. Judges 5, verse 1. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped. The clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel." until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among? <coughs> Forty thousand in Israel. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord." Speak ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way, they that are delivered from, from the noise of archers in the places of drawing water. There shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages in Israel. Then shall the people of the Lord go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song, arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thy son of Abinoam. Then he made him that remaineth have dominion over the nobles among the people. The Lord made me have dominion over the mighty. Out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin among thy people, out of Machir came down governors, and out of Zebulun they that handled the pen of the writer. And the princes of Issachar, were with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak. He was set on foot into the valley for the divisions of Reuben. There were great thoughts of heart. Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleatings of the flocks? 
For the divisions of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Gilead abode among Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. The kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. The river of Kishon swept them away. That ancient river, the river Kishon. O oh, my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Then were their horse hoofs broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty ones. Curse ye morose, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Blessed above woman shall jail the wife of Heber the Kenite be. Blessed shall she be above woman in the tent. He asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer. And with the hammer she smote Sisera. She smote off its head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. At her feet he bowed. He fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed. He fell where he bowed. There he fell down dead. The mother of Sisera looked out at a window and cried through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariots? Her wise ladies answered her, Yea, she returned answer to herself. Have they not sped? Have they not divided the prey? To every man a damsel or to, to sister a prey of diverse colors, a prey of diverse colors of needlework, of diverse colors of needlework on both sides. Meet for the necks of them that take the spoil. So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. But let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his night. And the land had rest forty years. Amen. We know that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let us bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. As we consider your word and examine it today and reflect upon the life of this woman, Deborah, may we know the help of God, the illumination of the Spirit, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Our studies into the characters of Scripture brings us today to Deborah, one who described herself as a mother in Israel. And you have that statement in chapter 5 and the verse 7. I, Deborah, arose. I arose, a mother in Israel. She belonged to the period of the judges. And we're going to look at the characters of three judges over the next few weeks. So we'll think about Deborah today, and then next week we'll look at Gideon, and then we'll examine Samson. The period of the judges was a period that took place over approximately 400 years. It was a time of spiritual backsliding. 
It was a time of apostasy. It was a time of departure from God. There is a, a verse in Judges, and it's actually repeated twice. And the characteristic of the days of the Judges were, were that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It was a description that is very relevant for the age in which we live, when God is ignored, when God's Word is laughed at and mocked, when people want to choose their own morality, when people want to make their own rules up. Every person is doing that which is right in their own eyes. And it breeds confusion, utter and total confusion. And the days of the judges were confusing times. But in the midst of these dark days, God would raise up leaders, people to champion His cause. The leadership didn't run in families. It didn't run according to blood. There were individuals whom God raised up sporadically to stand for His truth and to defeat His enemies. And Deborah was one of these leaders. Now, the leaders weren't always great examples that we can emulate. They were largely a reflection of the times in which they lived. And it seems as if, as the people would get further away from God, so the quality of their leaders also reduced. And therefore, you come to Samson, a man who had the potential for such greatness. The Lord used him remarkably, and yet he failed so abysmally. Whenever we come to Deborah, we're coming to a period that is closer to the start of the times of the judges. The days were a little brighter than they would become later on, but still the shadows were lengthening. But there's something very interesting about Deborah. The judges mostly were men, mostly men of war, soldiers who could inspire a generation. Because very often, such were the difficulties that Israel found themselves in, their leaders had to be military men. But they were not just military men, they were rulers called of God to judge the nation, hence they were called judges. So they would govern the nation, and they would present God's truth to the nation. They would administer law, especially the law of God. But of course, Deborah becomes very interesting and fascinating because she is the only female judge, and she is both a civil leader and a spiritual leader. She is a judge who's also known as a prophet. She was a woman with very strong and acute spiritual insight. We are told in chapter 4, verse 4, and Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. So she was a lady of exceptional ability, but she was also a lady of exceptional faith. It is a very interesting thing that God should raise up this woman in what was essentially a, a patriarchal society. The Jews to this day are a patriarchal people. 
leadership as, as male. And when you think of Deborah following on from the likes of Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and Moses and Joshua, we thought about Caleb last week. And here we have in the midst of this history, this woman is presented. Of course, the question is asked, why did God raise up this woman? I think it is important to say that her role has no bearing upon the leadership of the New Testament church. We're looking back into the days of the judges. They were extraordinary days, extraordinary days in which God used at times extraordinary means to accomplish His cause. It would be flawed biblical interpretation to draw a line from what God did in the days of the judges through Deborah to the ministry of the New Testament church. That would be flawed thinking. But of course, it still begs the question, when all of these other leaders were men, why was Deborah called? I think, first of all, we need to say that there were no men to lead Israel at that time. No anointed men, no suitably gifted men. Male leadership had failed, and God raised up Deborah. But also we have the effect of this man, Jabin, the king of Canaan. And you will see in verse 2 of chapter 4 that the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hatsar, the captain of his host was Sisera, which dwelt in Hashereth of the Gentiles. And you will also notice that Jabin, the king of Canaan, with his general Sisera, they had a mighty army, 900 chariots of iron. That was an extraordinary military force for those times, 900 chariots of iron. They had a warfare that was by no means primitive. They were advanced for their times, and they were mighty warriors, and no one could stand before them. And we have to come to the conclusion that because of the effect of Jabin, king of Canaan, that ordinary life in the nation ceased. And indeed, Deborah draws our attention to this. You will notice in chapter 5, verse 6, her poem, the highways were unoccupied, the travelers walked through byways. It wasn't safe to go on the highways. If you went for a journey, you had to go by the byways. So there was much brutality, there was much slaughter. Nowhere was safe. Ordinary commerce ceased. Israel had no weapons of their own. You will look at verse 8. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? The enemy had starved them of the ability to manufacture weapons. Israel were essentially slaves to Jabin, king of Canaan. The Lord sold them into the hand of this king. So many of the men had been killed. Whatever leadership had been in place previously had gone. And perhaps there is the thought that a woman being raised up by God to lead the nation was less of a target for the enemy because the enemy would not have considered Deborah much of a threat, but how they, how they underestimated this woman's ability. These were unusual times. And in this time of failure. Deborah represents the very best of spirituality. 
the very best of leadership. And her title, A Mother in Israel, it's a very interesting title that she gave herself, A Mother of Israel. She brought a different dynamic into leadership, a caring dynamic, but it was by no means soft leadership. It was a leadership that triumphed and triumphed mightily. And so let us just see what we can learn from this woman, Deborah, the mother in Israel. Let's think about her her beginnings. We know very little about her, except what we have here in Judges 4 and 5. But we're given little clues, little clues. One little clue is found in her name. Her name means a bee. And of course, a bee is seen as one of the, the wisest of insects, one of the most industrious of insects, an insect that is of more use to uh, humanity than perhaps any other insect because of its ability to make the honey. And so we have this woman was known as the bee. Uh, and the bee, of course, can make provision for the future, can store up the honey, food for the winter. And so she was a woman who was a busy woman, she was a woman with foresight, a woman who could look ahead, a woman who was very gifted with that ability just to plan for the future. And she would do this very thing. She brought the sweetness of honey to the nation. And we could go on and think about that and how the Word of God is, is honey to the taste. And she would be a woman who would bring sweetness to the nation at a time of bitterness as she carried the truth of God to the people. She was married to Lapidoth. It is interesting that she is viewed in connection with her husband. So although she was a, a great civil leader, within her home, she was very much the wife of her husband. And so there is the thought that Deborah was what we would call a traditional woman. So she was no pin-up poster for the feminists of her day. She was a woman who respected and regarded her husband. Now, Lapidoth, the word Lapidoth means lamps. And the Jewish rabbis, they were of the opinion, and of course their opinions are very good to, to look to because of their specialized knowledge of the Old Testament and Hebrew Scriptures. They believed that Lapidoth, by his name, that signified that he was a priest. Because one of the functions of the, the priest was to keep the lamps lit in the tabernacle and later on in the temple. And the lamps that were so important, the candlestick had to be shining at all times. And very often, the wives of the priests, they would have made the wick for the lamps so that the light would always be kept replenished. And so she was a woman who is associated with light and with illumination. And she would bring the light of God to the nation. And we can put all of this together, and I think there are lessons for us as Christians. We too are to be like the bee. We're to be busy. We're to be active. We are to have foresight. We are to think ahead spiritually. And we are to bring the sweetness of God's Word to the nation. And we are to be lights in a dark place. 
Church of Christ is to be all of these things. And so we have Deborah's beginnings. But let's think about her, her belief. She was a woman who believed in God's words. She was a prophetess, according to chapter 4 and the verse 4. She was a woman who was in communion with God. And she set her heart upon knowing God and the fact that she knew God. That equipped her for this great work that God entrusted her with. Joseph Parker, one of the great London preachers of Victorian times, he made this point that nobody questioned her leadership. There wasn't one man in Israel who said that Deborah should not be leading. There wasn't one person who despised her because she was a woman. And why was that? Because it was glaringly obvious. Such was the manner in which God had filled her with His Spirit, and such were the special gifts that He had. There was no one else to lead the people, only Deborah. And so you have this fascinating sight of this woman in verse 5. She dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah. The very palm tree was known by her name, between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came to her for judgment. They came to her for help. They came to her for advice. They came to her for her mind. And these were days when they were oppressed. But here was a woman who had the wisdom of God and the nation in a dispirited time became galvanized around her oak tree. But what was it that made her so powerful? It was her belief. What was her belief? Will you come over to chapter 5 and the verse 8? And what does she say about these times in which she lived? About the people that she served, they chose new gods. They chose new gods. That's what she had to deal with. That's what she had to contend with. Idolatry in the nation. It had to be rooted out. She was part of that process of leading the people back to God, of leading a spiritual revival in days of adversity. She did what no man had done. She had a message that no man would dare preach. She preached it. She led the nation back to God. And you come to chapter 4, verse 1. Notice what it says. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. So after Ehud, the former judge died. The children of Israel, they did evil. Is that what it says? The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Is that what it says? No, it's not what it says. Every word is important here. The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. They returned to old ways. They returned to old sins. And of course, God had told them to take out the Canaanites, destroy them. They were to occupy that land. They were to deal with the enemy. They hadn't dealt with the enemy. They had only partially dealt with the enemy. And the enemy that they left behind, that enemy came to triumph over them. 
And so the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Was it merely that Jabin had a mighty army that was more powerful than them? No, that wasn't the case. It was the fact that God sold them. God said, I'm going to deal with you, Israel, for your sin of idolatry, and you're going to suffer this hardship. You see, the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the backslider is hard. If we return to old sins, God will chasten us for those whom he loves. He chastens. And so Israel were suffering for their sins and for the sins of their fathers. And these were 20 long years of oppression. And then Deborah arose, a prophetess. In the midst of this darkness, God raised up an instrument, in many respects, a most unlikely instrument. God uses unlikely people to do his purpose. Never underestimate yourself, dear brother, dear sister. You believe in God, and there's no telling what God can do through you. And that's what he did with Deborah. We're told in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, look at what she does. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Speak ye that ride on white asses. Ye that sit in judgment, walk by the way. She gathered a, a band of leaders together. She gathered a group of governors together. She gathered men from throughout the nation. They gathered under her palm tree. And so the people were put in a much better position. And you can see the people coming with their fears and with their woes and with their griefs and how she heard of the murder and the carnage and how difficult these times were and how poor the people were. They had forsaken God, you see. And as a mother in Israel, she felt for the people. Something had to be done. A battle had to be fought. And she would not shirk from that conflict. And so we have her bravery now. You come to chapter 4 in the verse 6. She sent and she called Barak, the son of Abinoham. Barak, the name means lightning. He was a lightning warrior, a man greatly gifted in warfare. And she had a task for him. He had to draw together an army from throughout the nation, an army that would go and fight Jabin, the king of Canaan. She told them what to do. She gave them the, the military plan. She gave them the tactics. Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, verse 7, is going to be drawn to the river Kishon. And there, God says, I will deliver him into your hand. Draw your army together and meet the enemy at the river, and God will do the rest. Of course, it was going to take tremendous bravery to go and take on such a mighty adversary who had become so well established. Would Barak be willing to go? Some people have laughed at verse 8. They've made fun of Barak. I've heard a preacher do this. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And they said, That's a sign of weakness. There he was, this mighty warrior. Name mean lightning. Refused to go to battle, lest Deborah, this woman, came with him. It was a sign of strength. Because Barak knew that this woman had the mind of God. 
Spiritual insight. She was the prophetess. For him to plead with her to go with him to battle was for him to say, I need the Lord's help for this battle. And so she went with him. She was a very brave individual, going herself to meet the enemy in the company of the soldiers. But there was one thing Deborah was very clear about, and Barak was under no uncertainties as to this matter, that God would give the victory. It would not be about their military prowess. It would not be about their skill. It would be about what God would do. God would deliver the enemy into their hand. And Barak was even told in verse 9, the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. You will not take the general. A woman will take her life take his life. And, and of course, that's what happened. And I'm not going to get into the whole discussion about jail and the brutality of what she did. These were brittle times, but God's hand was behind all of that to bring down the great enemy captain. But that doesn't mean that the murderous act of jail is in any way excused. I think we have to be careful about how we view all of these things. But whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And that is exactly what happened for the great enemy of the children of Israel in those days. But the enemy was overcome, and it would seem from our reading of the poem in Judges chapter 5 that there was a great flood, and there was a downfall of rain, and there was a terrible storm, and the very horses were carried away as the river Kishon swollen to a mighty torrent. And the horses were terrified. Verse 22 tells us the horse hoofs were broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty ones. And the enemy was destroyed. But it was about what the Lord would do. But yet the Lord would never have done that if there wasn't a woman called Deborah and a man called Barak who were willing to stand in the gap and do God's will. You see, we need the conviction and the purpose to step out to do God's will, to put ourselves in the way. God will use you and He'll bless you, but you'll have to be willing to make that sacrifice to go forward. And that's exactly what they did. Very briefly, Deborah's bounty. We come to the very end of Judges chapter 5, and we read that the land had rest for 40 years. The land had rest for 40 years. The whole verse reads, So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. The land had rest 40 years. When we love the Lord, we'll be like the sun that goes forth. And God will bless. It was a bountiful blessing. And so here we have the story of this woman, used of God, was given a great and a mighty purpose, and how she fulfilled it, whatever your purpose is, you'll not know that purpose, you'll not realize that purpose unless 
you put yourself out to serve God, to put Him first. Are you serving God today? Are you putting Him first? Are you doing His will? Is His mind your mind? Perhaps you're going your own way. It was a day when every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and that'll bring no happiness just to do your own thing. Let's boil it down into more detail. Let's make it more personal. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Are you trusting Him? In these dark days, do you have the light of Christ in your heart? Deborah teaches us all these things. May the Lord bless His Word to every soul. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word and for Your truth. We thank